Well, this morning we are continuing our series. We're calling Same God, looking at how God has gifted each one of us who follow Jesus to serve others and build others up. Today we're going to be in Romans chapters 1 and 11. We're going to start in chapter 1 this morning. So you can go ahead and turn there, open your Bible app, Romans 1 chapter, uh, verse 11. And uh, what I want you to think about today is this idea of getting stronger. Getting stronger. Oftentimes, probably most often, when we think about getting stronger, we're thinking about our physical health or our physical vitality. I think about, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, in preparation, yes, for my Mother's Day plan to uh, bless my wife who uh, would like some new trees in the backyard, you know. That meant that I went out into the lovely New England turf. If you Have you ever spent time in the lovely New England soil and to discover that as soon as you punch that shovel down, you might get like a quarter of an inch and you hear that clink. It's like rock after rock after rock. I mean, I dug one hole and I, was, I thought I dug ten holes. You know, it's just like it's hard work digging holes anywhere, especially in the rocky New England soil of Medford, Massachusetts. Well, um, you know, I, I, I thought at that moment, you know, it would be so nice if uh, my guy Dan McLaughlin and Gilson Fernandez, if these brothers would come over, just drop by supernaturally, get a message from God, hey, go see Pastor Tanner right now and get, see how he's doing. Because those dudes, I just got to say, I mean, I'm, you know, as you can see, I'm a pretty strong... But I'm not, <laughs> that was a joke, yes. Um, but I'm not near as strong as these two guys who could just have come over in like 20 seconds, been smiling, not even breaking a sweat. Hey, these holes are dug for you. You know, it's like we think about physical strength. And just as much as our physical strength is important, uh, even more important is our spiritual strength. God has made us not simply as cells, biological cells in, in this body form, but he has made us as, let me throw a little word at you, psychosomatic beings. Okay, that's what we, they taught me in seminary. Sorry, that was spontaneous. Just do it out there. Uh, which means we have a, a psyche, a soul uh, in our bodies. We are embodied souls before God. And God wants to strengthen us from the inside out. And the very encouraging news that I have to bring you this morning is wherever you are, God wants to see you get stronger. God wants to strengthen you. He wants, he wants your journey with Jesus. If you haven't started following Jesus and journeying with Jesus, today would be a great day to explore that and to maybe step into the life of Christ because Jesus offers us life. He offers us abundant life. And when we follow Jesus, the path is not perfect, but it is one of getting stronger and stronger and stronger. This happens not only as God directly works in our souls by his Holy Spirit, but it also happens as each one of us move out to serve one another and strengthen one another. And so my encouragement for us as we dive into God's word, as we look at spiritual gifts, once again, is to, for us to use our spiritual gifts 
to strengthen others. Use your spiritual gifts to strengthen others. When we come to the book of Romans, we come to what is probably Paul's most majestic letter, 16 chapters. He's just unpacking all of the, of the good news of Jesus and what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And so it's not surprising that the first seven verses form a greeting, and it is a majestic greeting loaded with, with meaning in terms of who God is and what he has done for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then in verse 8, he moves into this prayer and he says, hey, I really care about you Roman followers of Christ. Even though I haven't met you yet, I'm actually praying for you all the time. And one thing that I'm really praying is that God would open up a door for me to come and to visit you. And this is where we pick up in verses 11 and, and 12. Paul goes on and he says this in Romans one uh, one eleven. he says this, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. My first simple encouragement for you today is this. Encourage others through your spiritual gifts. Encourage others through your spiritual gifts. Paul begins by saying, I long to see you. I want you to attempt to feel what Paul is feeling. Did you know that God is an emotional being, that God has feelings? He's made us in his image as emotional beings. And there are desires and, 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 and hopes that we have deep within us. Well, uh, Paul, he's feeling something so badly that he's thinking about it constantly. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt such an internal pull so deep in your soul that it like made your soul ache just a little bit or maybe a lot? That's what's going on for Paul here. The word long means to deeply desire. It could be translated crave or uh, yearn for. Paul really, really wanted to spend time with these believers in Rome. And why did he want to get there? Why did he want to see them? He says it was so that he could impart to them a spiritual, actually he says some spiritual gift. Now when Paul says some spiritual gift, what does he mean? I want to throw a little Greek term. We don't do this every Sunday at Redemption Hill. But he uses two Greek words, pneumaticon, charisma. Pneuma is the word for Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So pneumaticon means something that belongs to the Spirit, something that is spiritual. We've taught this before, but whenever you read your Bible and you see the word spiritual, you don't need to think like something that's just floating around in thin air, but I can't see it, okay, although the spirit realm cannot be seen with our physical eyes. No, you need to think when you see the word spiritual, that which belongs or pertains to the Holy Spirit. And then he says this spiritual thing that I'm referring to is a spiritual gift. Charisma is where we get our word grace, charis. And it is a gift that is freely given to each one of us. Now, listen, there, there is not like uni, unanimous consistency in terms of what Paul means here when he says some spiritual gift. 
In fact, some scholars would say, I don't think he's talking about the same spiritual gifts that he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and Peter's talking about in 1 Peter 4. Um, they would say this could just refer to a general blessing that Paul wants to bring them something spiritual that's going to bless them. Not necessarily a gift, but just something that's going to help them and encourage them. Um, and, and even we see in Romans chapter 6, one of the reasons they would say this is that when Paul says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. He uses the same word, charisma. The free gift is something that we have been freely given graciously by God. And so that is a possibility. But I believe Paul is using consistent language with what he uses in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. Where he is referring to spiritual gifts. Gifts that are given by the Spirit so that we walk in them for the good of others. And why do I think that? Well, Paul goes on and he immediately starts talking about one of the spiritual gifts that God has clearly given him. Which is the gift of preaching the gospel. Announcing who God is and what he has done for us. And Paul talks about this gift in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, which go, goes ahead and reinforces what we've been sharing over the past couple of weeks, that these gift lists are not exhaustive in these particular key passages, but there are other ways that God has gifted his people, and one of those is preaching. But we know that Paul was not only a gifted preacher, Paul was an, a gifted apostle, leader, and teacher. Clearly, if you read the book of Acts, you see that Paul had the gift of faith. He had the gift of heal people and likely many, many more. Now, most of us don't have as many gifts as the apostle Paul. But clearly, Paul had many gifts. And he probably says, I'm coming to impart to you some spiritual gift because he may not have known exactly what God was going to do or how God wanted to use him as he served the followers of Jesus in Rome. But we also see that Paul says, I, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. And, and the word impart, um, it may, may lead us to think about uh, the possibility of a believer in Christ Probably a, 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 often a, a leader that, that is, you know, leading God's people that would maybe pray over someone else and they receive a gift in that moment. Now, it seems from the Bible that that is a very real possibility. In fact, it says that it happened to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. And then Paul talks about it again in 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, that, that as the council of elders laid their hands on Timothy, and as Paul laid his hands on Timothy, that there was a word of prophecy about a specific gift that God wanted to give Timothy. And maybe even in that moment, Timothy received this gift. There was an impartation from God and God used these particular people in Timothy's life. But in that, in everything, that is God doing the giving. He may do it sometimes through people's prayers, through, through people's uh, prophetic revelations, but ultimately it's God giving the gift. But I don't think that's what Paul is talking about here. You say, why, Pastor Tanner? Well, the, the word impart would be better translated share. I want to share with you some spiritual gift. And if you say, like, why is that? Well, as he goes on, he goes on and he says that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. 
So Paul is saying, hey, I'm coming to share some things with you, but I know that you are going to share some things with me. It doesn't seem likely that Paul would be longing to show up in Rome so that he could receive some more gifts from the Roman Christians. So Paul says, I want to get there. I want to share with you some spiritual gift. But then we see the, the reason, the, the, the goal of this desire to share with them some spiritual gift. It was at the end of verse 11, it says, to strengthen you. And then he goes on to, to expound on what he means when he says, I want to see you strengthen. He says, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I don't know if you've come to understand this, at least at the, the level of depth that maybe you desire. Uh, but, but here's one of the things that we need to understand about Christianity, about the good news of Jesus Christ, okay. Is that God extends his love to us. God extends all of his mercies to us because we need him. God is not looking for strong people. God is looking for people who understand their weaknesses. One of the greatest steps that we can do, not only to begin the Christian life, but day by day, is just to say, God, I know that I am weak apart from your strength, and I need your strength to help me keep moving forward. And as we said, this strength comes not just directly from God, but it comes through one another. When Paul says that I want to experience mutual encouragement, uh, we, we know that the word encourage uh, comes from the word it means to come alongside, that, that we're walking with one another. And, and we're actually, think about the word encourage, it, it sounds like to pour courage or pour confidence into someone else that's going to help them move forward in whatever it is that God has put before them to do for his name. And so Paul wants to, to unload the, these gifts so that he encourages them in their faith. I love what we see here. We see Paul's attitude and expectation. First off, Paul's attitude is this. I'm showing up to give. I'm, I'm, what would, think about this, just a little thought experiment. What would happen if on Sundays and in groups through the week, if you haven't been able to check out a group, you're new at Ram Show, we have groups to meet through the week, okay, you're invited. So at groups or at lunch tables or in family conversations, Mother's Day, hello, all right, what if we showed up with Paul's attitude, I'm here. To give. I'm here to bless somebody. I'm here to help someone, to serve someone, to strengthen someone. Oh, how our gatherings would be even better, even more meaningful, even more life-giving. This is what Paul's attitude was. I'm coming to you, not to get from you primarily, but to give to you. But then I love that his expectation is that not only is he going to give with that other's first mindset, pushing back the consumeristic culture that we all live in that says me, 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 more, 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 for me, me, me. But he says, I know this is because you also follow Jesus and you also have the spirit of God that this sharing is going to be 
a mutual thing. It's going to be a two-way street. There's going to be reciprocity in this that I am going to share with you, but you are going to share with me. And I love what Paul implies here. Don't miss this. Paul is saying that there is an equal standing before God. An equal standing. The Apostle Paul may be arguably the greatest Christian in history to follow Jesus Christ. And yet Paul says, look, you everyday ordinary Roman followers of Jesus, like anyone, no matter how long you've been a believer, okay, no matter how strong you think you are, okay, everyone has something to give because everyone has who? God in them. This is amazing. He, he says, look, yeah, I'm going to give to you, but you are going to give to me. Think about the person that you respect the most. Think about the person whose walk with God, they just inspire you. They just, you look up to them. They're an example for you in so many ways. Listen, whoever that person is, you need not think for a second that God wouldn't use you to strengthen and encourage them. This is exactly what Paul is implying here when he says there's going to be mutual encouragement going on when I show up. And so please hear this today. Please, please hear this, okay. Life is hard. Ministry is hard. Being a mom, we found out four times in my home, is hard. And we need one another. We need one another to keep going. How many people, including pastors, have disconnected, have dropped out of the race for a variety of reasons over the past two plus years? We need one another. We need to encourage one another, strengthen one another, show up together and serve one another and serve together. So that we can experience all that God wants for us. As he helps us get stronger as we do life and community together. That's number one. But then number two, as we move into Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. I want to encourage you to serve others with humility through God's grace. Serve others with humility through God's grace. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given to me. I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so if you've read much of Paul, Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. You know that one of Paul's favorite words, we caught it right there at the beginning of verse 3, is what? Grace, yes, grace. 
Paul was always talking about God's grace. Everything in our lives that is of any good is a result of a gracious God who loves us, who is good to us, who wants us to know him and wants us to experience life to the full. So Paul's always talking about grace. But then he immediately moves to what this grace looks like in terms of how we serve one another. And there are two truths that I want you to see here in terms of implications of how we should serve. Number one, we need to serve with humility. He says that we should think about ourselves with sober judgment. You know what it means to have a sober mind? It means to have a clear mind, not, not uh, tainted or corrupted by anything else, but to be thinking clearly. And Paul says you need to think clearly about yourself, namely that you don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. How many of you know that the default mode of our heart is to think about ourselves more highly than we should? I mean, we just, we just naturally assume the best about ourselves. We naturally think we're right. We naturally, you know, think, oh, yep, that was great. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the man, you know, and you're not maybe saying that to everyone else, but you're thinking it, right? And we don't, we don't think about ourselves often with sober judgment. But, but Paul would tell us that an accurate view of the person in the mirror is not, does not happen by looking in the mirror, but it happens by looking up to God. All right, let me say that again. If you want a sober judgment of yourself, if you want to grow in not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, then you don't need to keep showing up looking in the mirror. You need to show up before God and you need to look to God. Because when you look to God, you will understand and realize that your salvation is a gift by God's grace. In fact, it was so important that Paul just talked about it for 11 chapters to begin his book. Um, but it's not just salvation by grace. It's serving by grace and even serving with the measure of faith that God gives us as we serve one another. Even the faith we have, yes, the faith for salvation and, yes, the faith to serve others is a gracious gift from God. Which brings me then to the second truth that I want you to see about this. Every act of service is an act of faith. I'm not sure how much you've thought about that, but I believe these are the, the biblical and theological facts. Inasmuch as we are being moved by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit, every time we truly serve someone in a way that reflects Jesus, we are serving them in an act of faith. Paul speaks of the measure of faith that God assigns at the end of verse 3. And because he speaks about the measure of faith that God has assigned, and then he what? He immediately starts talking about how the human body is different and fingers are different than ears and legs are different than arms. And he says, like, this is how the church is. The church is the body of Christ. And there are many different members in the church, but we all have a different part to play. So I think when Paul says, hey, think about yourself rightly and operate in the measure of faith that God has assigned, I believe he's thinking about how we serve one another. When we serve depending on God, we depend on him to work in that moment of opportunity. 
When you, when you show up to, 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 to extend mercy, when you show up as we're going to see to teach or whatever it is, uh, the goal is that we would be operating in faith. God has invited me into this moment. God has equipped me for this moment. And I am now going to actively depend on you. I love what in one of my preaching classes, yeah, we, you know, pastors sometimes are taught to preach. Okay, some of us are taught better than others, which is why, you know, uh, don't, don't be mad at me, be mad at my professors, all right. But uh, anyway, you know, I was taught that Spurgeon, when, uh, when he was a 19th century pastor, some people call him the, the prince of preachers, all right, uh, when he would walk up to share God's word, he would just say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the, what was he doing? He was saying, God, I am so dependent on you right now. I mean, I do this every week. I don't have it in and of myself to give you anything. But the goal is that we would depend on God in whatever gift. Uh, I want to pray that someone would be healed. We pray according to our faith. We're saying, God, we need you to show up in these moments. If there is going to be anything of spiritual benefit, any spiritual good delivered to someone else. And then as we recognize that God's grace is so available to, to us. Don't think for a minute that God doesn't have more grace to give you than you have need. I'm just, just think about that. Whatever you need, God's got it. So, so, so you, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I want to, you know, I know I should step out and serve, but I don't know if I can, what? God, God is with you. He wants to give you what you need. So we step out and we serve. We serve in faith. But then Paul in verses 6 through 8, he goes on to talk about some specific ways that we serve. Now, as we've been saying, these, this is not an exhaustive list. These seven gifts that Paul names are not an exhaustive list of the gifts, but they are some important ones that we need to pay attention to. So we want to work through them one by one, okay? So you ready? You might want to take some notes so you understand these gifts because we're all about increasing our understanding. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, I don't want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. So that's why we're doing this series at Redemption Hill. Okay, so number one, prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is speaking a message given spontaneously from God. Prophets speak words of life on the spot to others. Now, this may be a, a word that is for a particular moment. This may be a word that is future-oriented. Um, wh whatever it is, we know that all of the words God speaks through prophets are to show us, don't miss this, they are to show us that God knows who we are. He knows what's going on in our lives and he really, really loves us. I'm telling you, when you maybe receive a prophetic word or someone's praying over you in a prophetic way and they're like, I mean, this happens on Sundays. We're going to have a prayer team praying. And I'm not guaranteeing any prophetic prayers or words or whatever. But I'm just saying, when we show up to pray for one another, when we show up in community groups. I heard a testimony just last week of one of our groups where someone was praying over someone in a very prophetic way. And the response from this young lady was, what? It was the, the only explanation for what exactly they prayed for that have been thinking about and even been troubled by over the past whatever weeks, um, that must be God. God knows me. God loves me. God cares about 
me. And so Paul says when we prophesy, we should do so, so in proportion to our faith, which I think he means that prophets should declare or pray those words with confidence and assurance in proportion to their faith. Which is one of the reasons why I think it's good when you feel like maybe God has shared a message with you for someone else to not go and tell them, hey, you know, God says, blah, 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 blah. But to say, you know, I, I think, I sense, I believe that God wants me to share this with you. And, and I want you to pray about it. I want you to, to think about it and weigh it out. Because that's exactly actually what Paul tells the rest of us to do when, when we receive a prophetic word. I've received, thank God, many uh, in my journey, particularly over the past several years. Uh, we apply 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21. that says what? Do not despise prophecies. Don't despise them, but don't just accept them without Thinking about it, but he says what? He says, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. So prophecy is about speaking a message given spontaneously from God. What about service? Service is giving time and energy to meet the needs of others. When you see people sacrifice their time with joy, when you see people move quickly to meet the needs around them. When you see people continue to show up, break a sweat, but not want an ounce of credit for it. You might be looking at someone with the gift of service. Servants reflect the heart of Jesus when he said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think about the director of our venue team. He didn't know I was going to talk about him, but Tim Tran. Tim is a, is a guy who shows up week after week. He leads our venue team to serve joyfully behind the scenes. He gets a lot of joy out of it. He loves to encourage others to serve in their gifted areas. And we're so thankful. Our church is full of people like Tim that, that want to serve, that want to give of their time and their energy for the sake to meet the needs of others. And so if you love to, 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 to meet these needs and to, to give of yourself sacrificially, you might have the gift of service. What about teaching? We, we talked about teaching a couple of weeks ago, but let's just reiterate a few things. Okay, teaching is explaining God's truth with clarity and relevance. Teachers take words, concepts, lessons, and communicate them in an understandable way where we can really understand what is being uh, taught. And not only that, teachers want to see these truths impact our lives. So they're not content with just loading up with information, but they want, to see, they want people to see the relevance of God's truth for their lives on a daily basis. Teachers reflect Jesus as he taught the Old Testament scriptures and would teach in parables saying, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And when I think about teachers in a church, I think about, Emma Lombard. Emma is one of our longtime members uh, who uh, several years ago now felt moved by God, the Holy Spirit, to pursue theological education. First and foremost because, like, I'm a follower of Jesus. I just want to be as fully prepared to uh, love and serve God and walk with God. But also I want to serve my church in the ways that God has gifted me. 
And not to our surprise that as she journeyed through her uh, theological education, she had desires to teach and lead Bible studies. So in the summer, it's like there's no lifetime contract for Emma, okay, but basically every summer now, you know, Emma leads a women's study uh, at our community center that's going to be starting in a few weeks. So women, if you're interested, I don't think they let men crash, but whatever, um, you know, sign up for Emma's study. But not only does Emma teach God's word where it benefits others and helps them grow in Christ and strengthens and encourages them, but this gift, sometimes we have like narrow views of like, oh, if you're a leader, then you're this. Or if you're a teacher, then you're this. Like, Emma loves to teach God's word if it's a larger group, if it's a one-on-one -on -one time, if it's bringing insight to her community group. She's a, someone who has the gift to teach. And so we, we see that teachers explain God's truth with clarity and relevance. What about exhortation? Some translations would say encouragement. To exhort means to encourage. But exhorting is to do so with a little bit of passion. It, there's a, there's, it's like encouragement with urgency. That, 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 uh, those with, with the gift of exhortation, they are urging people toward God's path. We, we think about uh, Pastor Steve Agbula. He, he, uh, his family, they moved to Springfield to start uh, a new work there and to start churches uh, in the, the valley of, of the Springfield area in Western Mass. And uh, any of you that spent any time with Pastor Steve, you would know that you can't be around him very long without him bringing some word of encouragement, some just exhortation to, in just such a loving way, where you just, you just kind of are leaning in all of a sudden, and you're like, man, I, yeah, I want, I want to follow God's plan. I want to follow God's path. I need to pay attention to that Bible verse that Pastor Steve just shared with me. Those with the gift of exhortation, they, they love to encourage others. They love to urge them toward God's path. But then number five, Giving. Giving is sharing material resources to meet needs. Now, most of the time we think about uh, giving and we think what? We think money, right? We think dollars and cents. And, and by all means, giving can include our financial resources. But again, don't be too narrow-minded when you're thinking about these gifts because giving can be giving of any of our material resources to help others in need. I mean, someone who has the gift of, of, of giving, uh, they, they want to share the clothes off their back. They're willing to take up their own resources, even when it hurts, to benefit others. They, when they give, they do so with a happy heart. They do so, as Paul talks about right here, in how they give. They give with generosity. And as I was thinking about our church, when it comes to those with the gift of generosity, Two people immediately popped into my mind. One of those people, by the world standards, would say, like, God's really blessed them financially. They have a great job, pays well. And so, you know, they give and they give generously. And we praise God for that person. But then on the other end of the economic spectrum, we see another person who isn't in the same situation in life, but is equally generous, who is giving of, of their resources, who is giving when it doesn't make sense. And we say, thank you, God. Thank you for both of these, yes, women of God, 
who love to give and give cheerfully and generously. And I know it's not just these two women. There are so many others, men and women, who give generously to meet the needs of others, whether that includes dollars and cents or not. Giving is sharing material resources to meet needs. Then number six, leadership. Leadership is influencing others toward a common vision. Leaders see a preferred path ahead and then they love to communicate that path and encourage others to join the path and go after what God is setting before a group of people. But not only is it, is it visionary in, 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 in communicating that vision, but it's inviting others into that vision. Leaders love to include people. Leaders don't want anyone left behind, but they want everyone in on the journey. And so they are very invitational. They, 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 they know how to build teams and invite people in and build strategic confidence in the strategic mission that God has given. And I think about Jesus empowering the 72 in Luke chapter 10. We looked at this on our anniversary Sunday. If you want to go back and listen to that sermon from October, it's not bad. All right, because why? Not because the preacher's great, but just the truth is great that Jesus, he what? He gives his disciples, 72 of them, an assignment. And he says, you're going to go out and you're going to proclaim the kingdom of God. You're going to do all of these things. You're going to heal people. You're going to cast out demons. And so he equips them. He empowers them. He encourages them. And then... They go out and do everything, but then when they come back, we see the leadership gift of Jesus that he's not just like, yeah, I told you, like, see, like, no, he's, he's welcoming them back and he's excited. He's celebrating with them. It says that Jesus rejoiced with the joy of the Holy Spirit in that moment and he said, don't rejoice that, well, actually, let me back up. He says, first, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Okay. If you don't understand that yet theologically, what that means is big deal. The kingdom of darkness is falling. The kingdom of light is winning, advancing. And so this is a really big deal. That's more vision. Look what's happening. Look when you go into villages and you tell people about me and you show the kingdom of God to them. Big deal. But then he says this. Nevertheless, do not rejoice that, that the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He pulls them back to the ultimate why. He pulls them back to what's most important. Not the stuff we do, but who we are before our God and Father. What a leader. What a leader Jesus Christ is. That's leadership. Jesus influenced others toward a common vision. And he gifts other leaders to do the same. But then finally, finally, mercy. Mercy refers to offering compassionate help to those suffering. Offering compassionate help to those suffering. Last week we commissioned our foster care team who are meeting the needs of, of children in need. I'm sure many of them have the gift of mercy. We, like the Good Samaritan, people with the gift of mercy, they feel such a deep level of compassion that it moves them to action. It moves them to go the extra mile. It moves them to make sure that people are cared for. I think about those in our church that speak up urgently and prophetically for the unborn. We know the, the, the leak from the Supreme Court this week and, and an impending decision with, with Roe versus Wade and uh, a number of, of our people that I've seen are, are speaking up for the unborn. 
And why is that? It's because they understand that life is a gift from conception to our dying breath. And they want to speak up for justice for those that can't speak for themselves. And we have merciful people operating in all kinds of ministries in our church, from food insecurity to racial justice, you name it. People that are going out serving the homeless, serving addicts, serving people who are suffering and need God's compassion. So I want to step back just for a moment and ask you a question. Do you see how important it is to be a church full of empowered people gifted by God for the good of others. We need people who receive messages from the Lord and give them to others. We need people who know how to teach. We need others who have the gift of leadership and exhortation and service and giving and mercy. But we need not only to see these gifts in operation because there are opportunities and needs, but listen, these people with these gifts, what do they do? They set an example for the rest of us. God calls us all to give. He calls us all to, to share what we know from his word. He calls all of us to be merciful. And these gifted people do an amazing job of setting us in example. And so I know for, for many of you as, you, as you hear these gifts, it makes you think about maybe your mother who taught you the path of life. Hopefully, maybe many taught you from the Bible. Um, mothers who are merciful. Uh, mothers who just were sacrificial servants showing up day after day after day. I mean, it would probably be appropriate for someone just next to you to look to a mom and say, you got all seven gifts. All right, let's just try that. All right, you got all seven. You got all seven, right? So, thank you. For, for, I mean, now, that's, a, that's probably a lie, all right? It's probably not true. But we see reflections, right? We see reflections of all these gifts in the lives of mothers, in the lives of everyday Christians as we go about our business to serve the kingdom of God. So here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to very quickly, I want to give you a tool, and then we're going to follow up on this this week in groups and through our newsletter. I'll probably come back to it next week to take a little more time. But I want to go ahead and introduce a tool for you to discovering your gifts. All right, so it's like, hey, God's gifted me in these, gifted us all in these ways, but how do I know how God has gifted me? Here's a very simple tool that is composed of three questions that get you to three answers, but also encourage you to take three actions. Okay, so if we name this tool, maybe it's like three answers, three actions, what, and they, they go together, okay? So very simple, but I think very, very profitable. So number one, ask this question, how am I particularly effective? How am I, when I serve, when I serve others, how am I particularly effective? You could put the word to the side, fruitfulness. That I bear fruit, that, that others are blessed and benefit from my serving. Then number two, ask this question, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? Where do you find fulfillment? Where do you find satisfaction? Where does your heart light up when you go and you get to encourage someone or you get to, you know, lead, lead, lead a group of people or you just get to show up and serve? Listen, whatever it is, where, do, where does your heart light up? It might point you to where you're passionate, which might point you to how God has gifted you. Then number three, 
when do others recognize and point out God's grace in you? This is affirmation. When, when do others say, you know what, I was, I was really helped by that. I was really encouraged by that. I was really strengthened by the way you did X, Y, Z. But, but, but here's where just a very simple exercise for this simple tool to not only ask these questions, but then to do a reflective learning exercise. And the most simple approach that, that we've created at this point to, to, to complement these questions is simply to journal through these questions with three actions. Okay, so number one, pray. Pray and ask God, God, how have you gifted me? Where, where do I light up? Where do I serve with effectiveness? Maybe pray, God, I, I would love to serve effectively in this area. Because as we'll, we'll talk about when we get to 1 Corinthians, God is in the business of giving more gifts. And so journal through and pray through. And then number two, as you serve, record the opportunities you have to serve and how it goes. So, so as you step out and serve, I would say try to this week journal three times where you serve other people and then just record. Like, was it, was, did it help anybody? Did I enjoy it? Did anyone, like, seem to be encouraged by it? And then the longer you do that, the more clear it's going to become. So we pray, we serve, and then, listen, we live in community. So talk to other people about how God has gifted you. Talk to other people about how God has gifted them. Ask them how they know that they're gifted. Ask them, you know, to journey with you as you prayerfully discover how God has gifted you. Because listen, this is, this is the tool, by the way. This is the first and primary tool that we're releasing. Okay, we're going to put this on paper. We're going to give it to you. We're going to talk about it. We're going to come back to it. And we're going to make it better. We're not saying it's the best tool in the world. But I know most all of you, if you've been a Christian for very long, you were expecting us to give you a questionnaire of 150 questions to discover your gift. Right? We were waiting for that. But we're not giving you that first. We will give you something like that. But the reason we give you a simple tool like this is because we believe that discovering our spiritual gifts best happens by serving in community over time. Not answering a bunch of questions. However helpful those questions may be, they can be helpful. They can also be misguided at times. And we can bring our own biases and our own more highly than you ought to think to the test. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's not, we're not against tests. We're not against those questionnaires. But we're just saying let's, let's serve in community over time and discover together how God has gifted us. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite our prayer team to come down to the front. And our, our music team is going to join as well. And we're going to have just a time to sing a, a new song. It's called Same God. God is, you know, we planned this series before the song came out, by the way, just saying. Uh, but, you know, like God is the same God. He's still the God of David, the God of Moses, the God of Mary. This, he's the same God today as he always was. He's still moving in, in, in these ways of gifting people as leaders and prophets and servants, and givers. And so uh, we want to just create some space today. Some space for you just to pray maybe where you are. Or maybe the Holy Spirit would tug at your heart and say, you know what? You should pray with someone today. You should, you should ask someone else to pray with you. That God would show you your gifts. That God would, would show you uh, 
where, where he wants you to serve, how he wants you to continue to step out. Maybe it's a prayer to just say, I want more of God's power in my life as I step out to serve others. Maybe there are just things on your heart that you want to pray for. Listen, whatever it is, this team is, is ready to pray with you. And so I want to lead us in prayer, but, but whatever it is that, that God is putting on your heart, I want you to, to lean in and pray, pray with this team. And remember, listen, when we serve, the ultimate motivation for our service is the fact that Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God which is our spiritual act of worship. We offer ourselves in view of God's mercy. We offer ourselves in view of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't serve because we have to. We don't serve because it's like what we've always done, tradition. We don't serve because it's logical. They're like, we know that when we kind of give to one another that it's good for society and it makes sense. We serve ultimately. All those things can be good, by the way but they won't keep you serving. They won't keep you serving for very long. They won't keep you serving with passion and joy. But when you see who God is and you realize what he has done for you, you'll say, God, just use me however you want to use me. My life is in your hands. I'm offering myself to you. God, today, tomorrow, my life is yours. I am surrendered before you because not only do I want to experience your strength, but God, I want to be generous just like you've been generous to me, God. I want to be generous to others and strengthen them as well. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand, we're going to sing, and I want to invite you to pray and move as God leads you today. Father, we are so grateful for this opportunity to worship you. We are so grateful for how you give us gifts, not just for us, God, but most, most importantly, God, you gift us to strengthen others around us. So God, thank you for the ways that you are, you have gifted the people known as Redemption Hill. Thank you for the ways you are gifting us, what you are going to do in the days ahead. And God, we thank you that these gifts just get to really and truly run wild, Lord. Not just within the quote-unquote walls of our church, but wherever we are, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. We, we are who we are by your grace and we bring the presence of the Holy Spirit wherever we go. And we thank you, God, in Jesus' name.